What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Let's face it, dealing with infertility and miscarriage can take a toll on our mental health. And when we're paying so much money to successfully start our family, we usually look for any way to save. I've partnered with BetterHelp, an online counseling service that matches you with a licensed professional therapist based on your therapy needs and goals. And they're giving Life After Miscarriage listeners 10% off their first month when you sign up through betterhelp.com L-A-M. That's betterhelp.com lamb. Now let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone. We have Lisa Horton on today's episode. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. Lisa, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like. Okay. Hi. Uh, Thank you again for uh, letting me share this story. I wanted to start with that. And um, so I guess I'll start where mostly everybody starts. Uh, My husband and I. My husband's name is Will, um, met in 2008. Uh, We met through mutual friends and um, basically they thought maybe that we would be a good match and, you know, I didn't really think so at first because I feel like that doesn't usually happen, but we actually did hit it off really well. We liked a lot of the same things, liked to had a lot of the same sense of humor. So uh, we met in 2008, we moved in together in 2012. And we got engaged shortly after that and then married in 2014. Um, So before I had met my husband, uh, when I was about 19 or 20, I had been to the GYN for the first time, uh, wanting to get on birth control. And I had mentioned to the GYN at that time that I had had pretty like heavy periods every month, very painful cramps. And he had wanted me to get a vaginal sonogram, which I did, and um, had told me at that time that it looked like I had polycystic ovarian syndrome. So, you know, I was 19 at this point, and that didn't really affect me too much, but he had told me that there could be some fertility issues down the line. Um, So going into trying with my husband, I had kind of expected maybe some fertility issues. I wasn't prepared for what really happened, but so um, in 2014, we got married and we decided to wait about a year uh, before starting to try. And so now also the year that my husband and I got engaged, um, I had started working for another OBGYN practice. Um, I had originally started there as a receptionist and then I got promoted to like uh, billing and doing authorization. So I'd been there for already several years and I had consulted with one of the doctors, like just for my annual. And I mentioned, you know, I might be wanting to try to conceive soon, but I know that maybe there might be some issues because I was told I have PCOS, but I do get my period every month, which I know a lot of people with PCOS don't. Um, So the doctor kind of said, well, you know, most of the time when you do get your period every month, that does mean you're ovulating. And I had been on birth control now for, you know, at this point for years. So he had told me to um, take three months off of the pill 
and then try after that. So give myself like three regular periods and then start trying after that. So uh, that was November of 2015. And we actually, the first time we ever tried was the day before Thanksgiving, I remember. Um, and then the month after that, we had actually a trip planned for our anniversary for Disney World. And it turned out I had looked at, you know, I had had my period tracker and, you know, fertility app. It looked like we, my period would have actually been due while we were on the trip. And I remember thinking this would be this amazing story, like, oh, you know, I, if I got pregnant, I, you know, we found out at Disney World and that's my husband and my, like, our favorite place. We went there on our honeymoon. So, we, you know, even though I had known there was possibility of fertility issues, um, nobody in my family had ever had any. My mother never had any problems getting pregnant, my grandmother. So I kind of thought that the fact that I was getting my period every month was on my side. And I was pretty hopeful, but I did end up getting my period while we were at Disney World. And I wasn't too upset about it. I was like, well, you know, and like, again, I worked for an OBGYN. I was like, you know, this does happen. I was only 31 at the time. I was like, we, you know, we have a whole year before they consider it like, you know, a time to go to the doctor. So I'm not, I wasn't really concerned at that point. Um, and then the next month again, when I got a negative test, my husband and I, I remember in our old apartment, I remember saying to him, I was like, oh, you know, sometimes it takes couples a couple of months to conceive. It's not a big deal. Um, after about six months, though, I did start to get a little concerned. Um, plus, it's also like a very, you know, it's very depressing trying and then the testing and it's negative and so I decided to go back to the doctor I had seen before at my job. Um, and I know like maybe some people might think it's very strange that like, you know, you, I would go where I work. Um, I know when I've told friends that they're like, your bosses see you naked, but you know, the, it, it's actually like the doctors there are wonderful. So it's, and most of the girls at my job also do go to see them and definitely like for their pregnancies. So it's, you know, uh, it also helped me, I think too, because I felt really comfortable talking to these doctors. So um, after six months, I said to him, you know, I know that it after a year is where they usually say that, you know, maybe you should have some like medical intervention. I was like, and, but I know because of the PCOS, that might be an issue. You know, if you think I should try for another six months, I will, but I'm just, you know, I'm wondering what you think. So the doctor kind of said at that point, you know, because we know about the PCOS, let's start now with like a fertility workup, we'll do some blood work. Um, he had given my husband a prescription to get a semen analysis done. And he set me up for the HSG procedure, the hysterosalpingogram. Uh, so that was in June of 2016. And I ended up doing the HSG, which came back, even though very, very painful, was normal. Uh, so that's to check for like tubal patency. Both my tubes were clear. Uh, my husband's semen analysis came back normal. And so the doctor said, you know, I was a good candidate, he thought, for Clomid. And he said in his words, we are ready to rock. So um, he basically, you know, he gave me a prescription for Clomid for the next cycle to take during days like five to nine and had explained like how to do like timed intercourse. Um, and then he made me come back every 
cycle on day 21 of my cycle to get like my progesterone levels drawn, which is to see if I ovulated. Um, so I was getting good progesterone levels back every month, but um, nothing, you know, they want to see a number over 10. And I was getting close to that, like 10, 15, sometimes with the levels. But um, he ended up deciding to switch me from the 50 milligrams to 100 milligrams. And that was in um, October of 2016. So once that cycle that I did the 100 milligrams, I ended up that month when I got my progesterone level drawn, it was like a sky high number. I was 37.8. And the doctor was like, you know, I don't want to, you know, get my hopes up too much or get your hopes up too much, but that's a really good number. And that's, you know, it's really exciting. And I just felt like different. I mean, it was different from every cycle. Now this had been 11 months of trying now. And this every, every month I was like, oh, then maybe this, maybe I'm pregnant. I feel weird, maybe I'm pregnant. But for the first time I really did feel different. And I had always promised myself I wouldn't take a test until my period was late. And then I never did that anyway. But this month I ended up three days before my period was due, I took a test and it was like a dark positive right away. It was the first time I'd ever seen that. And, you know, I sometimes I see online like people will like surprise their husbands with something cute, like, oh, here's a little onesie in the test, we're pregnant. I was just, I was so excited and it had been so many months that I just yelled, oh my God, come inside. And my husband, Will, came in and we saw it and we were so excited and he started to cry and we were just, we were just overjoyed. Um, and so it had been 11 months of trying, like I said, and um, I ended up going to my, to going to my job and making myself an appointment. Um, I didn't tell many people. I only told my sister and my best friend at that point, but I did tell a few people at work because they would see me in the schedule. So I, um, at my practice, they make you come in between seven and eight weeks. And so this was like three and a half weeks of, you know, just waiting and waiting and waiting. And I felt pregnant. I, the whole time, I didn't ever have any morning sickness, but I was like, a little gaggy in the morning and like I that had never really happened before and like I remember cooking some chicken and like looking at it and being like Ugh. so I was like wow these are all good signs and we ended up um our my first appointment that I made for uh to confirm the pregnancy was that year so 2016 it was the day before Thanksgiving which was an entire like year since we started and I remember thinking like this is fate you know what I mean this is this whole year, this all came full circle. And then I realized that with my like last menstrual period that my, I would have been exactly 12 weeks on Christmas. And I remember thinking like, I can't, you know, I can't believe that this like year of frustration and, you know, it's going to come to an end like this. I'm going to be able to like tell my mom she's having her first grandchild on Christmas morning. I'm going to be able to tell my husband's family, my aunt and uncle, like I was just, I was so excited. And I couldn't believe my luck. Um, my husband showed up for the appointment that day. And I remember all the girls in my office were so like swooning over him because he like, he walked in and saw me and had this big smile on his face. And we were just smiling at each other from across the room. 
we went into the exam room and everything was like laughing and joking and we were all having like, you know, a, a good time, like talking. Cause again, like I, you know, these are my doctors that I work with every day and they like, Will had met them at parties. So we knew them a little bit. And then like once the sauna started, the doc, it's, the doctor did the first one. Um, it was just very silent. And so I looked at my husband at one point and like kind of like made a face like what's going on and he shrugged and then my doctor, the doctor said at that point, you know, um, I would have been seven weeks and three days, according to my LMP and the doctor, after a while finally said, um, it's, the baby's not measuring seven weeks and three days. So um, I had a sack and I had a fetal pole, but the fetal pole was only measuring five weeks and five days. And, um, you know, I was very, you know, I had seen this at my job. I, you never really think that it's going to happen to you, even though I do know, I, I did see it a lot at work, but none of my friends had ever had a miscarriage before. No one in my family had ever really had one. And we were so happy. And I was just, after this 11 months, I couldn't believe that this was happening too. But I ended up, um, because I didn't have any bleeding or any cramping, he wanted to see me again the next week and think, see that maybe if it was possible that, um, you know, maybe I ovulated too late, maybe something I conceived at the end or, you know, the lower time of the, I'm sorry, the, the, um, the later time of my cycle. But I, I, in my heart, I knew that, you know, I had gotten that positive test three days before my period was even due. I knew that that wasn't how it was going to go. Um, I had gone and that whole week I was a nervous wreck and I scoured the internet to try and make myself feel better on all these message boards. And like some of them did make me feel better. Like some, a woman would say, oh, you know, I went in and the baby's measuring small and has this ever happened to you? And there would be some women that would say, oh yes, that happened to me. And by the time I came in the next time, the baby had quit up, don't worry. And I remember feeling a little bit hopeful, but like knowing, really knowing in my heart that like, I didn't think this was going to work out for us. Um, the next time I went in for another appointment with him, the same thing happened. The baby was still measuring or the fetal pole was still measuring that five weeks, five days, but the doctor said he thought he saw a heartbeat. Um, so he wanted me to wait another week. And so this limbo also of like, am I pregnant? Am I not pregnant? And still feeling pregnant this whole time and never seeing one drop of blood, never having any cramping, like you would think a miscarriage would be. Um, that never happened. So um, miss, miss, a missed miscarriage was confirmed on December 9th of that year, 2016. And um, they laid out my options for me. I chose to have a DNC because uh, you know, I wasn't the, you know, my body wasn't miscarrying on its own, obviously. And I had heard some stories about like it had, had you know people doing it at home, and I just I I decided to go for the DNC. Um, this was on December twelfth of two thousand sixteen, and my one of my best friends had her baby on December fourteenth of that year. So it was right before Christmas. One of my friends had a baby, and then another one of my best friends announced that she was pregnant with twins, and you know. I ended up coming back from that DNC, going back to work after giving myself a few days off and just feeling like completely broken and totally different than I had before. 
I was hopeful before I, I, I you know, I ended up um, switching doctors at that point. Not that I didn't love the other doctor, but um, I had heard such good things from other people, other patients in my practice about like the head, the one doctor in my practice, who's essentially the head of our practice. Um, he's kind of like a detective, like he's like a, a doctor house, unless, except that he's like an Italian guy from Queens. So it's better bedside manner. <laughs> so um, I ended up switching to him and talking to him about everything. And he basically um, switched up like the, my cycle days a little bit and, you know, put me on the higher dosage of the Clomid. And um, so I started Clomid again to trying again on like February of 2017. Um, I was, it was very hard for me at that point. The Clomid also is, makes your hormones crazy. And then being at work, was very hard for me because of see you know where my office is at, in my building i work in the office that's like two doors down from our sano room so i would get to see these beautiful glowing pregnant women march down the hallway every day just feeling like utterly defeated and it was very it was a very hard time for me but i ended up um getting pregnant again in uh, May that year, May of 2017. And I remember my doctor saying to me, um, you know, this miscarriage has happened. 20% of, you know, people have them. One in four, or, or 20, I'm sorry, not 20% of people have them. One in four women have them and 20% of, of pregnancies end up in miscarriages. So it's not an uncommon thing. You know, you see it here in the practice. I wouldn't worry about it again. You know, somebody having recurrent pregnancies, uh, miscarriages is um, a lot uh, less common than just having one. But for but honestly, like from the beginning, I just had a bad feeling about the second pregnancy. I couldn't get excited. I tried very hard to be hopeful and get excited, and my husband would get frustrated with me and say I was being a Debbie Downer, but I just, I was not able to get excited about it. And when I did finally go for my first appointment, um, the same thing happened. I had had another miscarriage and I, at that point was over eight weeks pregnant by my LMP. But again, the fetal pole was only measuring five weeks and five days. Um, so in June of 2017, I did end up having another DNC and my doctor had that point um, convinced me to have testing done on the fetus and said that he would, you know, get back to me with the results on that. And he said that 95% of the time that comes back as like a chromosomal abnormality. Um, and that's what he was sure was happening now too. Like he didn't think that this was anything major going on. He thought that, you know, he said, you know, two miscarriages is still kind of common. I, you know, I knew in my heart that there was something else going on. I could, you know, I just, it felt like it was too much of a coincidence that both times I had had a missed miscarriage and they both the times it was no bleeding, no cramping, and the fetus didn't make it past five weeks, five days. So I just, I knew that something else was going on, but um, 
So after the DNC, the second DNC, um, I remember thinking that maybe that, you know, I had gone through this already. Maybe, you know, I know what to expect and things wouldn't be, I wouldn't be as depressed. I wouldn't be, you know, as miserable, but it was so much worse going through it the second time, just because I had kind of thought like, this isn't going to happen to me again. And the jealousy just ate at me. Like I couldn't stand to see anyone with their kids. I couldn't stand to see my friends with their kids, my friends who were pregnant, the women at work. I even one day went and had lunch at a Mexican restaurant with my husband and two pregnant women walked in one right after another. And I ended up leaving and going and sitting in the car. Like that's how miserable I was. And it was just eating at me. I really shut myself down. Um, I, you know, my, my two friends, the one friend that had had her baby and the one friend that was pregnant, um, they really tried very hard to reach out to me and my other friends did too, but I just, I couldn't bring myself to, you know, be around anyone barely except for my sister and my husband. And that was it. I ended up taking a leave of absence from work. Um, I took a full month off and within that time, I got a phone call back from my doctor who had said he got the results back from the, um, the testing of the fetus and that it came back that the fetus was normal. So he had said that 95% of people that doesn't happen, but of course I had to be the lucky one in the 5%. When that happened, I remember feeling like, again, this was just the universe now telling me that I shouldn't be a mom. Like, that's really how I felt that like, this was karma for something I did in my twenties. I remember thinking like, oh, I don't know if I ever really want to have kids. I remember thinking that that was karma for that, that I was a bad person, that I wouldn't be a good mom. And this was the universe's way of telling me that I just, and so this can just, just seemed to confirm it more, but my doctor at that point, like that kind of got his wheels turning a little bit. And um, he gave me some blood work to do. And when I say some blood work to do, it was like five or six pages long of blood work, all things. And he said, you know, I'm going to test you for everything. And if nothing comes back negative, uh, positive for, you know, I'm going to test you for more stuff, you know, and that's one thing. It's like, it was a double edged sword. The fact that I worked at that practice because, you know, it was so hard being around all that happiness when I felt like I was dying inside over this. But at the same time, like these doctors were really invested in helping me. So, um, he gave me this list of blood work. I went to get it done. And I remember they took out like 30 vials and jokingly saying to the woman, oh, those aren't all for me, are they? And she was like, I'm sorry, hon, but they are. Like, really? <laughs> he tested me for a lot of things. I took my few weeks off. I started to feel okay. And the day before I was coming back to work, um, my doctor called me. And now, like, for a very long time, I had thought, when this was all going on, I had thought that when he did finally call me, he was going to tell me that there was nothing wrong, that this was all unexplained. And this was the first time in my life I remember feeling like hoping that something was wrong on this blood work so that he could fix it. 
but feeling like the way that this has all gone so far, that he's going to call me and he's going to tell me there's nothing wrong with me and that he doesn't know why this is happening. Um, but I was wrong for the first time. Um, he called me the day before I was coming back to work and he said that he had found two things that came up on my blood work. He said that they were both very interesting. Um, one is called lupus anticoagulant disorder, which is not lupus, but um, it's basically a blood clotting disorder. Your blood clots uh, too quickly. And then the other thing that came back positive was the MTHFR gene mutation, which is a very long word that I don't know how to pronounce, so I'm not even going to try. Um, there are two different variants of it, and there are two ways that you can have it. You could either inherit it from one parent or you can inherit it from two. Um, I happen to be, again, very lucky, and I inherited the same variant of it from both of my parents. Um, basically, what he had explained to me is that the MTHFR mutation. Uh, your body doesn't regulate folic acid well, well amongst many other different things. There are many, many things that go along with it, but both of these things, according to him, could conceivably uh, cause blood clots in your placenta, which is what he thought was happening and why even the infertility. So this PCOS that I thought was going to hinder me for so long, really from what my doctor thinks didn't have very much to do with it, that it was mostly these two blood clotting disorders. So um, I ended up start, you know, I, I at one point thought like I maybe we shouldn't try anymore. Like I don't think I can go through this again. But once I got these results, I did feel a little more hopeful. So um, we did decide to try one more time. I got back on the Clomid and my doctor had told me that he actually consulted with a friend of his who is a reproductive endocrinologist on Long Island, where we're from, and had said to him, you know, if this is, this is the facts, this is the patient I have, if this is your patient, what would you do? And they had kind of devised this plan for me. Um, I was referred to a hematologist. I was started on methylfolate and a full dose of aspirin every day. And I was told that the day I got another positive test that I would come back into the office and they would start me on an injectable drug called Lovenox, and that's a blood thinner. Um, so at that point, I really, you know, I was hopeful, but part of me thought that there's always, there's so much going on that this wasn't going to happen for me. I was, you know, I was hopeful that maybe we could change these things, but it just seemed like too much. But I ended up three months after this, I did end up getting another positive test. I went into the office that day and told my doctor and got started on the Lovenox, like he had said. Um, I did not realize that the injections were in your stomach. <laughs> um, so every day I had to give myself an injection of this in my stomach. And then by closer to the end, um, he said that we would switch to heparin, which is a different blood thinner, but it, it leaves your system quicker. And that would be three times a day. And I remember sitting there thinking like, I was so bad with needles and I'm a big, big uh, baby when it comes to pain. 
But I remember thinking like, if this works, I'll do anything. I didn't even care. I bruised up. My entire stomach was just one giant bruise. I, from the, from the, um, the injection and I just, I didn't care um, as long as everything was working. So I found out I was pregnant and then three or so days later I started bleeding. And I remember thinking like, I can't believe that this is happening to me again. Um, I never had bleeding with my other two pregnancies. The, uh, you know, with missed miscarriages and I feel, I guess every pregnancy is different. This is, this is the way this is happening this time. Um, when I started bleeding, it was like five o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, but I called my offices um, like after hours line anyway. And, and my doctor ended up being the one on call and called me back and, he was like, please don't give up hope. You know, we did the HSG uh, test, I'm sorry, the HCG testing, and we hadn't gotten that, those results back yet. Please don't give up hope. I think this is just maybe a little bit of bleeding from the Wolvenox, because that is the side effect. I ended up um, getting the results back from the second HCG, and they had, they had increased, but they hadn't doubled like like exactly in two days, like they wanted me to. And I was so, so miserable. And like, I just, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe this was happening, but my doctor the whole time was so, he's still like, don't give up, don't give up. This is fine. Don't even worry about it. Like I would cry to him in his office and he would be like, don't even worry about this. You're going to do another one. We're going to do more ACG. Everything's fine. He was so hopeful that, and I just was so, not. Um, I did a third HCG draw and this one did double. And then I did a fourth one and then that one more than doubled. And he called me again the day before Thanksgiving, this all now two years. Um, and he said, now you're at 1400 HCG. I don't think you need to test anymore. I think everything's going to be fine. And, and while I was happy to hear that, like, I just, I still couldn't, I still couldn't believe it myself, but he ended up having me come in that next week for a, um, a sonogram and then the week after. So the week after this was on this, this is now December of 2017. Um, I, and I, I just, my all day, my heart was pounding. I was just a wreck. I was listening to like, calm music. I just, the, the anxiety was just like so much I, that I couldn't, you know, I refused to let my husband will come to the appointment because, you know, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't disappoint him again. I knew, you know, I, and I go into that appointment and the doctor now is staring at the screen and he has it faced away from me. And he says, you know, how far along were you when I, when I did your sauna last week? And at that point, I had been five weeks and five days. So I said that. And I thought that's probably not a good sign that he's telling me that. He flipped the sauna screen towards me. And with a huge file, smile on his face, he said, everything looks awesome. And I said, what? And he said, do you see this right here? And before he even could tell me what it was, I could see. I saw the baby and I saw his, I saw the heartbeat for the first time. And I just cried 
and cried and cried and I couldn't believe that this was actually happening, that I was really seeing my baby's heartbeat after being told twice that this wasn't gonna work out for me. Um, I finally got to tell my mother. I got to tell my friends. I got to tell my mother on her birthday and she cried and my uncle cried and my grandmother cried. And this was all, you know, going to be my grandmother's first great grandchild, my mother's first grandchild and it all felt like a dream. I was very anxious throughout the entire pregnancy. Um, every single Sano I still worried about. And it's good that I did work for my OBGYN because you know, and I was friends with the Sonotech, so she would be like, do you want a Sono today? Just, you know, for freebies. And I would be like, yes. You know, <laughs> um, you know, I still almost didn't believe it was really going to happen. Even when I was 20 weeks pregnant and we found out it was a boy. And even when I was, you know, 30 weeks pregnant and I was in the third trimester, like I couldn't believe that this was really going to happen after what had happened to us before. And you know, I had a lot of trouble when I wouldn't feel him move for a while. And I wouldn't, you know, I remember sitting at my baby shower and feeling like he wasn't moving and just like, I wanted to go into the bathroom of my own baby shower and just cry and run away because I was convinced that something was happening and everybody was here celebrating me and this wasn't going to happen for me. And I was going to have to tell everybody again that this, you know, but on, um, July 10th of 2018, I had already been scheduled for a C-section on July 23rd because of the blood clotting. Um, my doctor thought that it would probably be better for me to be in like a controlled environment instead of pushing. So I had already had a C-section scheduled. I had just a regular exam and now I was being seen weekly and having Sano's weekly. The baby was fine, but they took my blood pressure and for whatever reason, it was just like sky high. Um, they sent me, I was 37 weeks and four days at that time and um, they ended up sending me to the hospital and it turned out that you know they you know my doctor came in and he did like an, a, kind of an emergency c-section even though i had already had one scheduled and it turned out that my placenta had started to detach which is what you know even though i felt completely fine which is what caused the high blood pressure but um even after all of that Run, you know, running into the hospital and not being, you know, I'm technically full term, but not being for, you know, the 39 weeks I thought I was going to be. And I didn't have a changing table set up yet. And we were in the middle of moving. And even with all that, my, my baby boy was born that day and he was absolutely perfect. And um, he is, you know, the, the light of mine and my husband's life. His name is Seth. Uh, we named him after uh, a member of the a the band, the Ava Brothers, because they have a song called No Hard Feelings that we listen to a lot while I, we were going through um, this whole infertility and miscarriage process. And um, so the band member that wrote that song, his name is Seth. And so we named him after that so that we could always remember that. And he is just now, he just turned two in July. And he is absolutely, like I said, he is the joy of our lives. And he is just, he made everything that we went through worth it. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but if I knew that I would get to have my baby at the end of it, I would do it again because, you know, he's just so perfect. And, you know, I, I, you know, I still kind of grieve for those two angels that really I never got to meet, but 
getting to be his mom at the end of it really, really made it all worthwhile. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Now I'm a mom of a two-year-old and he has boundless energy. He never stops moving, um, but he's hilarious and loads of fun. And I never thought that I, at some point, I thought I was never going to get to be a mom. And now I'm the mom of a two-year-old boy. So that's where we're at now. Isn't it crazy to like look back and be like, wow, yeah, everything absolutely. I went through and now I have you, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. so weird. It's absolutely, it, it really is like, just like a lot of even like bring, you know, going back to that story and like thinking about like all the things I felt at that time and knowing that like all the anxiety I felt, I mean, I did not have a, an enjoyable pregnancy at all. No, and how I could was, you? <laughs> you know, I, right. You know, and I really had a pretty basic pregnancy too. I had no morning sickness. My feet didn't really swell up that much, but I was just a wreck the whole time. But now it's, it's nice to be able to think of it now in some sort of a fond way, knowing the outcome that I got to be mm. his mom. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. Yeah. Now I always ask at the end of every episode, if you have one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? My advice would be this. Um, if you're in pain, if you're struggling, don't expect the people in your life to really know how to, you know what I mean? Know how to approach you and help you. Like if you are feeling bad, don't lie and say, yes, I'm fine. I know like as women, we tend to do that. We tend to like not take up a lot of space and not make a lot of noise but with something like this. If you're going through it, if you need help, ask your friends for help. If you need to talk about this, talk about it. If, you know, after this all happened, I ended up starting to see a counselor who um, specializes in like postpartum anxiety because I had prepartum anxiety and everything too because of all this going on. So, you know, I joined a, a mom support group. It's just, you know, don't, don't sit with this. Don't let it fester and don't let it ruin you. That, you know, I, I, I try to share my story as much as I can. Like, that's why I wanted to do this podcast too. And, you know, I also guest blog on uh, whatthefertility.com last year around uh, Rainbow Baby Day. And I, you know, it's, it's hard to share this story. And I remember like do, before doing this thinking like, oh God, I'm going to cry while I'm talking about this because it was just so hard to go through. But, you know, since I shared my story on Instagram and on whatthefertility.com, like I have had people contact me and thank me for talking about this and sharing it because it is such a, you know, still such a taboo top topic that people just don't want to talk about. So my advice is don't, don't let this sit. If, you know, don't let the, the anxiety and don't let the depression sit. Let, talk to somebody, tell somebody, join a group, go online and just, you know, don't let it sit with you. Yes. Such great advice. Now okay. your Instagram is left underscore on underscore Lisa. Is that the best place for somebody to reach out to you? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Awesome. Okay. So I will link that in the description of this episode. Thank you so much, okay. Lisa, for doing this. I so appreciate it. And congratulations on your rainbow baby. Thank you so much, for having, yes. you so much and thank you so much for having me. I love the podcast. I've been listening for a while. Thank you so much for everything you do for everyone in the present community. Well, thank you for feeling the pull to share and being a part of it. Uh, I'll chat with you soon. Thank you so much.
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. 